there, and welcome to Adequately Nerdy, a podcast where my wife and I talk about the things we nerd out over. I'm Joe. And I'm Kate. And today, we're going to talk about morality. Woohoo! Now, before we get into this, I do need to say that this is our first recording in a completely, well, almost completely empty apartment. Mm-hmm. We just had a an awesome party with a lot of friends and families to come over and just take our stuff with them yes (laughs) this is our one of our final steps of prepping ourselves to for the big move from northern virginia to shenzhen china so it's going to be a little bit echoey it's not going to have the same sound quality we do apologize for that and please bear with us yes we will we will walk you guys through the the china process and the moving in a little bit later but until we've kind of experienced that a little bit more ourselves, we want to make sure that we can still upload podcasts a little bit more regularly for you guys. And we still have, you know, a lot to talk about. So, Yep. And even though we're a little bit uncomfortable here by being in metal chairs and air mattresses, I think we're going (laughs) to do just fine for a while. Yeah. So let's jump into morality. Sure. Now, you are a teacher of AP psychology. Yes. You have, I believe, a minor in psychology. Yep. But we need to note that neither of us are at any way, shape, or form psychologists. Nope. Non-professionals. Larry Large, blaring disclaimer, please. We are not professionals. We are not experts. We are not licensed. This is just something that... I've come across in my three years of teaching and this it's course. You find interesting, exactly, and you and you are and you do nerd out over it. Again, you're not an authority. Yes, I am. I am not an authority figure. If you have questions, feel free to contact us. If you disagree with something that I'm saying, I would love to hear your feedback, especially if you do have experience as a cognitive psychologist, as a developmental psychologist. I would genuinely love to hear your perspective. This is just going to be a very basic overview of a couple of the theories, a couple of the psychologists that I'm into. Um, Developmental psych is my favorite unit, probably. I think I'm in a very unique perspective because my school is K through 12, and I've also been teaching for six years now. I started teaching kindergarten and elementary school. I've taught high school. I've taught middle school. I've actually seen all of these stages. You have a pretty wide gambit. Right. And so it's, it's very personal to me, and I really enjoy teaching it because... All of my students are experiencing these things. They can point to specific things. They have younger cousins. They have older cousins. They have siblings. They can physically see all of these different things happening. And I think it makes it more powerful. Yeah. I mean, especially once you start showing them, like, these are the things you are seeing. Because otherwise, it's just they're just seeing behaviors and they're just seeing actions and stuff. They're not seeing how it relates to different things exactly so i will definitely be talking about other units of psychology we'll talk about conditioning a little bit later but for today we just want to focus on morality as it relates to development another thing that i want to point out as a disclaimer i've never taken a philosophy class we are not going to be discussing aristotle or nietzsche or any of the major philosophers again if you want to contribute to the discussion i'm more than happy to hear from you on our contact form yeah my philosophy 101 course in college (laughs) 15 years ago or whatever i don't think really qualifies okay well if you have anything to contribute (laughs) i'm happy to hear it 
but that's just not that's not something that that's not a perspective that I'm I'm coming from mm-hmm. for today. What I really enjoy is listening to the understanding or at least the rationale, the theories behind why people do things and specifically why people make the decisions about what is just what does it mean for something to be right or wrong and how do you come to those conclusions Mm -hmm. what informs those decisions what age makes these decisions that's always been a super fascinating thing to me to start off Normally, if anybody out there has taken a psychology course, if you think of morality in AP psychology or any psychology course, you'll probably think of Lawrence Kohlberg. He is the number one name that is associated with the study of morality, but actually he started off because of the works of Jean Piaget. So Piaget is another person, another major name that Mm -hmm. you'll hear about in the context of developmental psychology. His major tenets, his stages, Piaget's stages of development, are more about cognitive development. The concept of when does abstract thinking come in? Why does playing peekaboo only work when you're a certain age versus when you're older? And it's like, no, you dummy. Obviously, you're hiding behind the blanket. Yeah, I don't Um, don't find this entertaining anymore. (laughs) Exactly. Things like that are really fun, and my kids obviously love doing that as well. But Piaget also did a little bit of work on his morality, and he had one main theory that all people's morality or decisions of what is just is based on two concepts. You're either heteronomous morality or autonomous morality. And so heteronomous is what would happen first. This is the concept of justice being imposed by some external force. There's an authority figure who is saying this is the right thing to do or this is the wrong thing to do. That these rules are permanent. Things are black and white. There is no regard for intention. And that's like all authority, whether it's government, religion, military, just whatever. And authority figures basing is making these rules of. Correct. And so according to this, heteronomous just means that it's something other than you. Is it a parent saying that, no, you should not have this cookie? Is it uh, the law? Is it something on television that Mr. Rogers says that you shouldn't do this, therefore you shouldn't do this? Um, The concept of somebody telling you what is right and what is wrong. Got you. So understandably... That happens when you're younger. According to Piaget, at about nine years old is when you start to see that switch into more autonomous. This is more Mm -hmm. a you making decisions based on your own experiences of what is right and what is wrong. Intentions start to matter. So the concept of, you know, little Timmy broke the neighbor's window, but he didn't mean to. It was an accident. And he's apologizing means that that should have more leniency versus Timmy breaking the window and being like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or even just being like a vandal and wanting to break the window. Exactly. So according to autonomous morality, that's when that starts to incorporate more of a a sense of right and wrong based on your own experiences and based on intention. It's a little bit more gray area. There's more flexibility there. It's interesting to see those types of things reflected. One of the things actually that we see in my D&D club when we play D&D, sometimes the students will kind of have certain penalties imposed based on what they think is fair. So, for example, if there's a battle happening and one team has slightly more players, they might say, okay, we get to start at zero. Your team has less players. You can get a three-second head start. 
or something like that. But and that's not real. I mean, that's I mean, that's not real life. You know, just because something doesn't look fair doesn't mean that it should be that. You know what I mean? Well, that's I mean, that's what's interesting is it's the difference between fair and just. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the whole point, right? If one team again thinking about tag on the playground do you get a head start do you take a penalty because you have more people if you're playing golf which is my dad's favorite thing in the world (laughs) if you're playing golf and you have a handicap not everybody starts at the same tee you might be able to start slightly ahead you might get slightly closer to the hole things like that is just kind of standard so that is just fair rather fair but not necessarily just that's up to your concept so that that idea is what piaget called autonomous morality and again he says that that starts about nine or ten years old kohlberg the name that we typically associate with the study of morality he developed three stages kind of based on some of piaget's concepts Mm -hmm. but he developed it into three very distinct stages Pre-conventional, conventional, and post-conventional. Okay. And to walk you through this, I'm going to give you a dilemma. So this is a very famous study, very famous concept called the Heinz Dilemma, which Kohlberg used to evaluate which stage somebody was in. So I'm going to read this out to you, and then I want you to tell me what you think. Okay. So I assume this... Dilemma was developed by someone named Heinz. <laughs> I believe so. That's that, actually something I should probably know. I do not know the it original seems to origin. Be like the way that scientists do. Probably. I do promise that there's nothing about ketchup in here. Just oh. to make that clear. I know. I'm sorry. Okay. Ready? Yeah. A woman was on her deathbed. This is a little long, so bear with me. Okay. A woman was on her deathbed. There was one drug that the doctors thought might save her. It was a form of radium that a druggist in the same town had recently discovered. The drug was expensive to make, but the druggist was charging 10 times what the drug cost him to produce. He paid $200 for the radium and charged $2,000 for a small dose of the drug. The sick woman's husband, Heinz, went to, know, went to everyone he knew to borrow the money, but could only get together about $1,000. He told the druggist that his wife was dying and asked him to sell it cheaper or to let him pay it later. But the druggist said, no, I discovered the drug and I'm going to make money from it. So Heinz got desperate and broke into the man's laboratory to steal the drug for his wife. So the dilemma is, should Heinz have broken into the laboratory to steal the drug? Why or why not? So what is your personal answer to this? I mean, my immediate reaction is, yeah, absolutely. Why? Because he's doing it, again, this is where it comes into intent. Mm -hmm. And it's doing it to save not only a life, but Mm -hmm. a life that he holds in high regard. Okay. Now, I could see how this question could easily delve into a lot of different ways. Absolutely. That's why it's such a great question. And I know one of the things that we're going to try to do is also not to not get into any political discussions because I feel like that could dive into those directions too. Mm -hmm. So I think we're going to definitely steer clear of that. Yes, we are absolutely planning on steering away from that. That's, you know, we're a tiny podcast. It's a little bit too controversial (laughs) for us to be getting into on our third episode. You are saying that, yes, you should steal it because your wife's life is worth more than the wrongdoing of stealing something. Yes, that's my personal belief. 
when I do this, I do this dilemma every year with my high school kids. And I would say about 85% of them agree with you and have the same reasoning. What I love about this dilemma is that your answer doesn't matter. It's your reasoning. Your reasoning, your explanation as to why is what Kohlberg looked at to figure out which stage you were in. We would put you in post-conventional morality. This is the, yay, you won, good job. (laughs) Because this was totally a competition. Yes, I know. A competition with nobody. Best kind. So you are in post-conventional morality, which means that you are doing things because of your own understanding of what is right and wrong. You are justifying that human life is more valuable to you than concrete material items you are also saying but keep in mind that you are putting the life of somebody that you know over the life of somebody else let's say that i had said no i should not have done that Mm -hmm. because it's not fair i put my wife's life over somebody else who may have also needed that medication Let's say somebody came into class, they came in the next day with $2,000 needed to buy the medicine is in the same situation and it's not there because you stole it. And you could also make that same argument of you're taking away the livelihood of the original doctor. Absolutely. And he needs to feed his family. Absolutely. Maybe he's suffering from radium poisoning from harvesting all of this and he needs that money to provide for his family. There's any number of different oh, yeah. reasons. Post-conventional morality self-imposed right and wrong you usually it's a more abstract concept um if let's say you were a child when i asked this question to little ones Mm -hmm. uh, i think i did this in an experiment some of my students did this in experiment last year where they tried to use the heinz dilemma but it was a little more advanced than some of the i think first graders (laughs) were ready they needed some help explaining what is radium uh and things like that we got the gist of it And they usually said that they should not do it because they'll go to jail. Stealing is wrong. Or is it just not stealing is wrong, but because they'll go to jail? Aha, there there uh, is the difference. According to pre-conventional morality, if you are saying that you should not steal it because some punishment will happen to you, I should not steal it because I will go to jail, that is the basis level. Now, what does that kind of remind you of? What, which of the stages that Piaget mentioned earlier does that kind of sound like? Oh, it was the, the first one you said. Yes. <laughs> we can cut this out so I don't put you on the spot. That kind of ties back to what Piaget said about heteronomous morality, right? Yes. The concept of something else is putting this forward. Yeah, it's an authority. Exactly. Yep. So Kohlberg actually takes it one step forward and saying it's more direct than that. And this is where it kind of ties into some of our some of our learning unit conditioning, you know, the concept of doing things to gain a reward or to avoid a punishment. Okay. He should do it because he likes his wife and his wife makes really good dinners and he's going to get more tasty dinners if his wife survives. That would be an example of pre-conventional morality. Yes, I should steal it because it directly benefits me. Okay. So it's mm-hmm. not only just punishment, it's also reward. As Correct. Well. Okay. And that's why that's the nice thing that there's two sides about mm-hmm. it or just yes or no, it was right or wrong doesn't actually matter what your answer is. It's your explanation. Okay. Why is it that you think that this should or should not have happened? It just should not have happened because you will go to jail and jail is bad. Right? Yep. Jail is bad, kids. You heard it here. 
Conventional is actually what you mentioned before, that it's breaking the law. And this is what ties in probably the most closely to the Piaget's concept of heteronomous, that it is against some understood norm, whether that is an actual law. It is against the law and we should not break the law, therefore you shouldn't steal it. Or some concept of somebody said it's okay to do this, Mm -hmm. that in this area there's a sense of lawlessness and do whatever you want. Maybe you're living in Deadwood. I don't know. (laughs) Some concept of it's okay that this happens. There's some sort of social justice component of it. So conventional morality might dictate that the bond of marriage is more important or more valuable than the actual legal ramifications of stealing something. Some understanding of social norm or physical legal law. Okay. That would put you into conventional morality. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So avoiding or gaining punishment is our pre-conventional lowest level. Then you get a little bit older and you start doing things because some authority figure, some understood social norm is telling you this is the right thing. This is the wrong thing. And then finally, highest level post-conventional morality. You're making those decisions for yourself based on your own experiences and your own understanding. Now, are there distinct age ranges that these happen or is it just sort of like a basic like a flow as you are developing and growing this sort of just bleeds one into the next into the next well Kohlberg was very quick to say that everybody is at slightly different stages Piaget was actually in his cognitive development is a little bit more rigid but Kohlberg is a little bit more fluid in the concept of I think it's five six I don't remember the ranges exactly. I want to say it's below six, tends to be more pre-conventional. Mm-hmm. And then sometime in early teenage years, you start to develop the post-conventional. Okay. So everything kind of in between is conventional. But he was very firm with the understanding of this is fluid. It is different for every person. It depends on you know, how you're raised, what your environment is. He was really big on the social environment affecting how you develop, which I think is really important to consider does everybody go through all the stages or is there is there any skipping stages or do people get stuck in certain stages i mean again according to kohlberg you should pass through all of these stages it's entirely possible that an individual spends a very short period of time in one particular stage and then moves forward you know obviously when you get old enough you can kind of acknowledge all of those pieces mm-hmm. you might depending on the day give a slightly different reason But generally speaking, you are typically in one stage at a time. Okay. Kohlberg, I think, is is really the big one when we're talking about morality. And his are the one that I think is the most interesting. I really just wanted a chance to read The Heinz Dilemma to you. That is I'm, really cool. You've never, yeah, you've never read that to me I have before. not, because I've been waiting. Because like <laughs> I said, this, that's why this podcast is so great, is I finally get yeah. to, to get you one-on-one and ask you all the questions I've always wanted to ask you. Another person that I do want to mention whose work we don't talk too much about in AP Psychology, we definitely spend more time on Piaget and Kohlberg, but I did want to mention Carol Gilligan's work, Gilligan's. She actually started off her career as Kohlberg's research assistant. They worked together. She helped assist collecting data based on results of the Heinz dilemma, but actually disagreed with Kohlberg in a couple of main ways, specifically regarding gender. Really? Yeah. So that was something that initially when I was reading this dilemma and I was, you know, considering all the different stages, 
the gender differences hadn't really occurred to me until I started looking at Gilligan's work. And she brings up a couple of good points that women tend to make less decisions based on legal reasons and had a lot more justifications based on social reasons. They tended to make decisions based a little bit more on their emotion as far as legal what is right and what is wrong they saw more in the intention and had a little bit more of an instinct as to protect other people interesting yeah and it's again i think there's a lot of debate to be had there i certainly think that that's not true for all women yeah, i think that's that's ultimately with anything psychology anything anywhere it's going to be there's a difference between in the individual and the statistical right absolutely um, and according to her work, which again is not featured prominently, mm-hmm. as prominently in textbooks and whatnot as Kohlberg and certainly as much as Piaget, but her overall theories was that men value more of a hierarchy than women do, mm-hmm. that women preferred more of an even playing field, and that was especially noticeable when she talked about the distinction among the conventional stages. So pre-conventional oh, and post, post-conventional are pretty similar. But the biggest difference for conventional was that she believed self-sacrifice had to be a component of that as well. That women were more likely to self-sacrifice in the conventional stage in order to assist others, in order to better empower their fellow woman. And that, she said, was a reason for a lot of people making the decisions that they did, specifically that couldn't fit into one of Kohlberg's stages. She also believed, interesting, which I think is the most interesting thing about her work, she actually believed that a lot of people would never enter the post-conventional stage. She actually believed that oh, more really? right that more people than Kohlberg believed would actually be stuck at the conventional stage for a longer period of time. Interesting. So I think what's what's interesting about this and what I love about teaching my psychology course is that none of this happens in a vacuum. Yeah. My class is not just from a textbook, memorize it, word vomit onto a test and then move on. It's because you're an amazing teacher. I mean I try. I always try to reflect it into modern life. You know, how do you think that, do you think that these stages are still appropriate now? How are you seeing morality change? Do you feel like your experience, especially teenagers, very different lifestyle and different interests than us? You know, what is the motivation for posting yourself doing the cinnamon challenge? Gosh, I feel very old. The cinnamon. That's not a thing anymore. (laughs) It's not anymore, but it was. I remember that was one of the first, like, big viral things of challenges, and then kind of went stupid from there. Why, Why would you do that? The sense of right and wrong. What is your motivation for doing that? I think it's really interesting how things have changed. Or yeah. have they at all? I don't know. That's what's so great about this. I mean, it seems like there needs to be. I mean, and maybe there are many studies going on. And maybe there are much, uh, there are professionals who are getting in-depth into a lot of these questions. Who is definitely not us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. This is very much the baseline. This is the, you start here. And many people have built it up and continued and looked for, I mean, they've created professions out of it. Absolutely. Just fascinating. I, I personally love it. Like I said, that's why we wanted to feature it today because I get nerdy about this particular yeah, topic. Absolutely. I I love discussing it. I like asking people the Heinz dilemma. That's always an awkward conversation. <laughs> like, how long have I known you? About a year? Yeah, now's the time. Heinz dilemma. What do you think? 
Um, which that's the mark, the year mark. Yes. Okay. I, I time it down to the day of the anniversary of our friendship. <laughs> Tell me your innermost desires and thoughts of morality. No, just kidding. You're all safe. But that's something that I, I think is really interesting. And I can't wait it's to talk about interesting. I cannot wait to talk about other elements of psychology, other things. I think there's so many interesting experience experiments and psychologists whose work I really want to discuss and share with you specifically. I hope that you all have learned a little bit of something. Try to let me know in either the comments on our website or Twitter, right? We're doing Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, we're doing Twitter and Instagram. (laughs) And then this thing, if there are any psychologists you want us to talk about or any other interesting experiments. Yes. If if you took a psychology course or you read something on the internet and you're like, huh, I wonder what that's all about. Feel free to send it to us. We would love to hear, hear back from you guys. Any suggestions or any other comments, future topics, or just to say hi, we are on adequatelynerdy.com. So you can find links to our Twitter and Instagram on our website. And until next time, stay nerdy. Stay nerdy.